When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening, good morning, konnichiwa to whenever you're listening to us in the world today. My name is Chris Curley and Eddie Nestor is away. No, not in the sense of A.A. Gill. He's probably just got a corporate job and can't be here tonight. Um, instead, though, as always, up in Manchester is Robert Meakin. Hello, Robert. Good evening to you. Oh, you sound um, nice and calm, Robert. You're not getting stressed about Christmas yet? I'm. Uh, I, I, I. This is a facade, essentially. No, if, you, if you'd heard me twenty minutes ago, no, I, I. I can't pretend to be calm for very long. But for the sake of the listeners, I'll pretend to be a calm, rational man. Oh, I just stop talking about a football. Stop, stop talking about football. It might change. I, I've just gone online and done it all. Although I have to say, really? I am very disappointed in the range of Manchester United pajamas that are available from the club. Really, I must. I've been getting hoodies for my nephews, and that was. All, but I, I haven't gone down the uh, pajama route. Or dressing gowns, but yeah, what, what sort of what have they got? Is it sort of are they, are they minimalist or tacky? They're great. They're like that third oh, kit against no, Southampton. Not I. No, no. You know why we, we've not got a good track record with grey. I don't know why they you know no. why they bother with that. No, I should point but out these uh, are for my nephews and not for me. Yeah, yeah, although yeah, yeah. I won't rule it out. Um, let's yeah, talk yeah. about what happened on Sunday against Tottenham, and mm-hmm. um, we got a crucial three points. Some would say six points. Yeah, it was, um, we, as we all know, it's a long time coming with all those points we've hemorrhaged from, you know, conceding late with all those seemingly needless draws. So it was a, just a, a real relief at the end. Uh, great, you know, I said, great, a very good performance uh, by United for a big, big part of the game. And let's be honest, our Armenian friend, Mickey T, as he's now affectionately known, really starting to show signs that he's, he's he's coming to the fore in that team. And I think it makes a real difference having that sort of level of pace and intelligence behind Ibrahimovic. I think a really encouraging performance. Also matched, I think, by our, our two central defenders. And I don't think I'd be saying that three or four weeks ago, but I thought they were excellent as well. They were indeed. Let's hope our new Mickey T doesn't have the fate of the old Mickey T and has <laughs> yes. a penchant for dodgy £20 notes. I think that's Let's right. Let's hope not. You might be referring to a certain player from North Wales, I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His, <laughs> famous, his most famous moment, probably that goal against Arsenal, playing for Wrexham in the Cup. Mickey Thomas, Remember that? yeah. Mickey yeah. Thomas. Cajun, I think yeah. he does the Man United radio. Hello, Mickey, if you're listening, and it lenders yeah. a fiver. Um, <laughs> no, Mkhitaryan was incredibly impressive, wasn't it? And what, do you think Jose's, Jose's handled him well? Well, we were all thinking, you know, considering the way the team was playing, isn't this a bit harsh that we've got this world-beater who's not even allowed often on the substitute bench. And we've thought, yeah, what, you know, what's going on here? Mourinho, to, his, you know, to be fair, was quite open about why. He just said the guy needed to acclimatise. Again, it was a bit weird. It felt a bit weird at the time. A manager speaking out critically about a player we just spent so much money on. But we, we can only back it up with what we've seen the last sort of two or three weeks. And maybe there was method to it because it looks like he's a sort of bloke who's gone away, hasn't thrown his toys out the pram has worked really, really hard and really is looking the business. I mean, the move, though, only was actually crocked at the end, that cynical challenge on the flank. The way he was moving down 
the way he was moving at that point was brilliant. He just looked he just looked so confident. Well, if that's the sort of player we're going to get, I think it's really good news for us. Well, I think that's the, one of the key things that Mourinho has given him 90 minutes on the pitch, really, pretty yeah. much, and has faith in his stamina with the physicality of the league. I mean, my favourite moment of his uh, when he was put through on goal was the fact that we're so used to seeing people slot the ball now, and he just whacked it. Oh, you know, and, and it was it's a like, beautiful, beautiful thing to see. It was. It was like a silent bullet, wasn't it? It was just, so, just it really perfect. was. It was smacked in. You didn't hear anything. It was, it was just like I'm not cleanish shot. I'm like I'm not going to be clever. I'm just going to whack it straight through you. <laughs> Oh, it perfect. was it was a proper goal. It was a proper goal for it my life. It was, it was. And I think someone in that goal who actually has probably arguably been our best, most consistent player of the season so far and is rapidly becoming you know, the heartbeat of the side is Ander Herrera. Yeah, and again, I mean, after what has been, let's be honest, at times, uh, dissatisfying start to the uh, season, I think you've got to say with Herrera that he's he's been a plus point pretty much from the start. He's he's adapted sort of his game. He's, he's ready to sort of play the holding role when necessary. And he really does put himself about, I think, that. And he's really disciplined in that role. And then when he plays alongside Carrick, when he plays a slightly more advanced role, I think he's been excellent. I think he just he's just been a very intelligent player and a selfless player in the team. Well, I think they complement each other really well. And the thing I love yeah. about Herrera is that when it's not going so well, he can get in there, get a tackle, and it can get the crowd up and get the players going. And he, you know, don't, he's, um, what is he? I tell you what he is. He's a nasty, naughty, annoying little pesty, pesky thing. Yeah. You know, he yeah. won't be bullied and he will put his foot in. And I like that about him because we need that kind of aggression in midfield. And it hopefully frees up Pogba to have a little bit more space. Yeah, I think, absolutely. I mean, I thought, I mean, sort of, when I first when I first saw Herrera, I did have a sort of prejudice against him. I thought he doesn't really look a sort of intimidating specimen. Is he really going to be in the heat, okay in the heat of the battle? Well, actually, he is. As you say, he does. He just he operates in a, in, a, in a fairly sort of brutal fashion at times. So it is encouraging. And as you say, I think Pogba plays well with him. I think there are signs. I mean, he's certainly far from the, the finished article and the sort of player we, we we hope that we've bought. But again, I thought Pogba. Yeah, there were moments, and there were an increasing, increasing number of moments from Pogba now where he's really starting to look the business, I think. Um, so it is very encouraging. I still think most of the time you think Pogba's probably suited still to a sort of midfield three with two more selfless characters possibly playing behind him. Maybe we can play a midfield two sometimes against weaker opposition with, say, Herrera and Pogba when he's resting um, Carrick presently. But you say, I think, yeah... The Herrera-Pogba scenario looks quite a good one going forward. It looks like there's plenty of energy in that team, for one, between the three mm. of them. And, and Carrick can give them the ball quicker. It's two-touch yeah. football, and that's United football, which started really with the goals we scored um, against Zora Luansk in Europe on Thursday night. Yeah, it does, isn't it? That, 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 was, that marked the turnaround. And we are... I mean, I think Jose's been very keen to prove that this wasn't going to be a classic Jose Mourinho side of old aka Chelsea into Milan, Real Madrid. Well, certainly Milan and Chelsea, where he's got this, he had a you know, reputation for building these sort of you know, physically intimidating sides that would put the iron door across the pack four, weren't particularly pretty to watch. I mean, we know those teams are very effective as well at times. And by getting, you know, by taking the United job, was, I think it's obviously been made quite clear, or you always just understood it anyway, that that's not the way they wanted to play. I have to give credit to him, even though we haven't been getting the results we've said in recent weeks. United are playing, have looked, have been playing very attractive football at times. Well, and I think, I, think it, I think you're right. We, you know, we haven't been getting the results we deserve. And that's why we've been calm. 
with the team. Still got expectations mm. to do well. But we can see it because they look like for the first time in a long time that they're trying to score goals the way United score goals and have always scored goals. With pace, with power and with penetration. Uh, the three Ps, I'm calling it. And when we have those, I think we'll um, climb up the table rapidly over the next mm. few weeks. We've got the draw of the Europa League has given us um, St. Etienne. Um, that band, so I don't know how they're going to make up that team. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, apparently in the band on bass is Paul Bogba's older brother. Yes, yeah, with the brothers against each other, isn't it? So that would be that would be interesting. Although, I'm trying to remember how many times I've seen siblings play against each other. I suppose the Nevilles used to play against each other, United and Everton. Yeah, the Nevilles did it. I'm trying to think of some other brothers now. If I only uh, I, I, I'm really... I mean, I think, I think, I mean, not. I mean, I just think, I, I think that often the siblings against each other in sport doesn't tend to work well. The Klitschko's avoided each other at boxing. Yes. Serena and Venus Williams, those matches were always rubbish because they didn't want, they didn't like playing each other. The Cooman <laughs> brothers, did they ever play against each other? Oh, I wonder. Yeah, that's. If you that's can tell possible, me when it? the Cooman yeah. brothers played each other, you can tweet in using the at Man United Redcast. Um, I would yeah. like to know if anyone bothers with um, that social media now. You should, because it's fun. Pogba versus Pogba <laughs> then um, against St Etienne when the Europa League becomes even more important for us in the new year, doesn't it, Robert? It does. And I know uh, a lot of people, I have to think about myself included, have mixed feelings about the tournament. You know, Mourinho himself has said, look, it's not a tournament we want to be in. We all know that. We all know the, the other tournament we want to be in. But I think the fact we're in there and we've got a new manager, I think it's been the practicalities of having to play on Thursday aside, I like the idea that we've, of us going a, getting on a run in a tournament like that. It's a relatively new team. And I think if we can keep progressing, I think it, it is going to give us confidence and some momentum along the way. And I thought after, yeah, we, we had a pretty useless start and hopefully now we've found our stride. And I really hope we can, you know, be in contention to win the thing. I think it'd be really good for the morale of the club to win a European title to be kicking on for next season. Well, it's something we haven't won. I mean, the old UEFA Cup is effectively what it is, and we haven't won that. I mean, we won the Cup Winners' Cup, Winners Cup obviously, in 1991, yeah. which was a great, yeah. great night in great Amsterdam. Great, sparky, yeah. Spark. Les Seeley. Les Seeley's knee. Remember that? In the League oh, Cup a few weeks off. before. He, he kicked off, didn't he? He kicked yeah. off with Jim McGregor against Sheffield Wednesday, and then yeah. he said, listen, I'm going to play in this game. And actually, he was at fault for the for their uh, Koeman free kick. He just couldn't move, <laughs> could he? No, Ferguson was going to kick him a lot. And then Clayton Blackmore, old sunbed, uh, saved us with one off the line, I think, from Michael Laudrup. He did, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm biased because he's my favourite player. And Robson was in the autumn of his career then, but had a wonderful game that night. He, he did have a great game. All I remember about he Clayton put... Blackmore is how he just chipped it up 15 yards onto Mark Hughes' thigh for about 10 yeah. years. That was pretty much That's it. Right. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, blasted yeah. a free kick every now and again. Yeah. Although you, should, must have... you should check out um, Clayton Blackmore's diving header against Manchester City. In the 1990 he, uh, league game. Oh, I have to remember. Yeah, because he was, I mean, he, he was always, a, he was there a long time, wasn't he, Clayton Blackmore? And he, again, he was like the classic utility player, wasn't he? He had a great right boot on him from memory. He did, and he was the John O'Shea of his time. Yeah, basically. yeah, I think that's right. Would be a way of calling it. I mean, that diving header, what's amazing, what's remarkable, he gets up and there's not a spot of mud on him. He was always immaculate. <laughs> Yeah, was yeah. old sunbed. Um, no more tales of Clayton Blackmore in the second half. We'll be talking about the games coming up against Palace and West Brom. Join us after these messages. Give software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone Managed Service Team right away. Call 0203-817-4880 or visit Livingstone. Dash tech 
www.ghostbusters.com to find out how. Welcome back to the Manchester United Redcast with me, Chris Curley. And of course, with me, as always, is Robert Meekin. Welcome to all you United fans who are listening. And also, of course, to um, those football fans who uh, may not support Manchester United and have joined us. Welcome. Uh, We're here to educate you. And hopefully you'll stay and learn something by the end of the next um, part of our podcast. Robert, so those St. Etienne fans listening in, trying to get the inside track. You know what? They'd be wise to. We're going to do this in French afterwards, Robert, you know. Yeah. Bonjour. Well, thank goodness. I'm I'm relieved you said that. I'm relieved you said that because I'm primed. Monge two, monge two, my friend. Monge two. (laughs) Uh, We've got Palace uh, tomorrow night when we recorded this. Palace away. There's no Mkhitaryan. Um, Palace Mm. always a difficult place to go under lights, especially. How do you see Mm. the game going, Robert? Yeah, I, th- I don't think it's an easy place to go. Uh, I, 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 it's going to be, a, I think, in for a really tough battle. Uh, obviously, the, the sad, the sad that Mkhitaryan, having just found form, is going to be injured. It's, you know, thankfully not as serious as we thought. Mourinho is adamant; he seems to be pretty clear anyway that it was going to be. Uh, he should be around for the Christmas fixtures. I wonder how we're going to play it. Whether in fact Matter comes back in as much as Matter's been playing very well for United recently. What he doesn't offer that Mkhitaryan has of course his pace which makes you slightly concerned I think we look a bit, little more laboured as you've got say a matter behind Ibrahimovic because neither of them are sort of speedsters so I'll be interested to see how um, Mourinho sort of plays with that I, was, I saw um, tonight certainly in the mainstream news they were suggesting that Martial might not be involved tomorrow I'm, thinking of our, I'm thinking of our pace players that's all so if he's not there I'm guessing Rashford could be in the mix we had a very um, quiet game on, on Sunday Martial I thought mm. He wasn't. Yeah, he, he didn't did. offer much penetration. And I'll be honest, when Rashford came on, he wasn't switched on at all. The amount of times he lost it and was being rather too casual in possession, he didn't. I mean, Jose came off out of his um, touchline position to berate him quite a few times on Sunday. Or yeah, Marcus. it's that tricky time for him. And they, I, mean, I know Giggs wrote a good article the other day recalling his you know, second major season for United after his big breakthrough, or maybe it was his third season. And he'd been saying it just, he felt that when you're a really young player and you come through, you suddenly get all the acclaim and you burst through before you're 20. Some of the basics have sort of passed you by because you haven't had the time to learn them. You have to almost go back and relearn with his suggestion. And, that, and I understand what he's saying, that there's, there's always that sort of downward curve for very, very young players bursting through. So I think we're just going to be patient with him because he looks real quality. I mean, at the beginning of the season, I was imagining with, with, with our new arrivals, I thought, well, this is brilliant. We're going to have Mkhitaryan playing behind Ibrahimovic and the speed of Rashford and Martial alongside him. You know, I thought that strikes me as a very obvious and exciting lineup. That hasn't quite happened because the two young lads haven't really kicked on so far. Martial was beginning to show signs, wasn't he? But he's seemed to have gone back into his shell. Well, you know, as we've said before, he's a centre forward. He had his best form last year at yeah. number nine. And, you know, he hasn't been given that position. I tomorrow have a little sneaky feeling that Rooney might start on the left. And mm. I would not be surprised if Baye comes in at right back and it pushes Valencia further forward. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, if I, I, I could welcome in, I'm not. There was suggestion Valencia might be out. I'm thinking oh. Valencia might be suspended. That's hot I off think the that's, news. 
I think so. This is, I must admit, yeah, this is what the mainstream news was suggesting. And I'm going on pictures from Stockport Station tonight with the planes were leaving. <laughs> and, they had, and he was not there. Terrible but taxi rank Stockport there. Station, by the way. It's not, I, I tell you, for a, knowing Stockport Station as well as I do, I have to say, it does make me chuckle a bit that Manchester United, that's their, that's their destination station. I know, Nothing against Stockport, anyone. And if that coffee yeah. shop's the same, it's awful. Absolutely yeah, trust me, I, awful. I'm an ex Stockport Express reporter. I speak with knowledge. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> that's where I grew up. That was my station to get yes. to, to get, to, get <laughs> to London or not. I met Steve Bruce there once. Oh, really? Yeah. After he did, when he was at Birmingham, I met him. He, and he's a nice man. I've interviewed Steve Bruce. I have to say, Lovely or man. do you have an alternative? You're good. I'm glad you didn't come to take I, that. Yeah. I just, <laughs> just said thank you. I just said thank you, Steve. That's all I said. Yeah. Well, interesting to see yeah. who replaces Mkhitaryan. Um, tomorrow night against Palace at the Palace. I'm, though, more interested at the moment in Phil Big Bad Jones and oh, Marcus yeah. the Red Rojo. Will <laughs> this partnership last? They've surprised us all, haven't they? It's fantastic. I mean, I'd heard, you know, when they, on the match of the day over here, when they were watching the highlights, the pundits were saying, well, two star players, you know, never, you know, Mkhitaryan may have you know, been man of the match. It's Phil Jones and Rojo all the way. You know, it was, uh, which is great to hear. And as I said earlier, we just said that five weeks ago that the Phil Jones Rocco <laughs> central defensive combo is going to be this celebrated. I think we'd have had the uh, we'd be sent off for, for for a long rest. I think because no one would have believed it. I mean, Rocco has shown no indication up until recently that he was going to he, he was had the appetite yeah. or indeed the ability for it. Phil Jones has just infuriated us for donkey's years. It feels like Cause even though he's displayed talent, he normally falls over the wrong way within three games and he's gone. Uh, I don't want to jinx him, but no, I, I'm worried about. We're goodness. talking about them now, and we're jinxing the pair of them. I'm we worried are. they're going to make a right ricket tomorrow night. Now, oh, I know. Yeah, well, I mean, I noticed. I mean, their their emergence has also been bad news for Blint. I think because uh, Mourinho was talking about his defensive options, and with Smalling still being out, he was basically saying between now and Christmas, he felt that uh, he's got Rojo and Jones, who Mourinho himself has publicly been gushing about, which is praise indeed, when you think that some of the defenders he's worked with in his time. And then he was saying, that, and, I, and of course I've got Bailly as well, so I've got my three central my three central defenders to choose from. I'm thinking, hang on, there's a Dutch utility player who hasn't been mentioned in there. But, uh, but I mean, his dad on I mean, Sunday I, came to watch him and didn't see him play. His dad, yeah, of course, I'm, being the manager of the Dutch national team. Yeah, I just think, though, if Bailly's fit, you've got to get him in that team. I think his physicality, I just... his pace, his you know ability on the ball, there has to be a place for him. And I, I think he'll probably play right back tomorrow night. Yeah, I, absolutely. Valencia, I mean, he might just be cautious at the moment about sort of breaking up a defensive pairing that's been working Indeed. well. We can, so I think that would make sense. And then you can switch the Italian. Well, the Italians been playing to the left anyway recently. So yeah, do that as the four. Yeah, I think that would. They've got a, but they've got a tough sense. job in handling Venteke because if they play yeah. long and up, you know, Jones notoriously hasn't been good in the air. We remember the game when Denver Bar was at Newcastle oh, and tore yeah. Phil Jones to bits in the air. He wore nothing. Yeah. So you know, there's all those things to consider. I mean, I'm pleased for Phil Jones because he's never had a decent run in the side in the same position. He's always been moved about. And finally, he's had about six weeks so far and he's really coming into form. I mean, that tackle he made in the last minute showed great composure and determination. And then I love the fact he just wants to boot it in the stand when you need to. And so you can regroup, get organised yeah. and, and get ready for the next attack. Oh, no, I th exactly. And I think, I mean, looking back on it, I mean, when he first arrived on the team, I was really excited because he had a really good run at the start. Um, 
obviously came and then you know Ferguson was gushing in praise for him you know regarding the future and all the rest of it um I think maybe he suffered a bit you say being moved in the different positions it's been a funny few years to be a Manchester United player to put it politely and I think he's probably been a bit of a victim of that as well you know saying when they, they were trying to re, rebrand him as a new sort of uh, holding midfielder I think we remember that time well there's the fullback Phil, Phil Jones as a centre-back there's been a few different roles for him and as you say, he just need. I think if he can stay fit and get a run of games as centre back, let's hope he can pleasantly surprise us, and that should become the player he was always billed to be. I mean, a few years ago, it was you know the likes of John Terry when he was still England captain, saying, "Well, you know, I've, I've, I'm not ready to make way for Phil Jones yet." You know what I mean? That's how seriously he was taken as the future of English football. And it'd be great if he could get a get a march on again now, a few years on. Yeah, indeed. And we'll we'll find out over this busy Christmas period that's we're about to step into, starting at Palace yeah. tomorrow night, and of course West Brom. Uh, the former United players' retirement home, as it's known, <laughs> yes, yes. in some quarters, as we're away there at the Hawthorns at the weekend. And Tony Pulis side will be well drilled and will be tough to break down, won't they? I think we've got two really interesting away games here and two, yeah, two difficult ones, you know, regardless of where people are in the table. I think they're two tough assignments. I mean, we've got to, we've got to hope, that, uh, following the performance at the weekend, that we, the, these are the games where we need to get a, a run with. You know, we need to get, be picking up the three points, obviously, obviously. But I think they're, both, they're going to be both tough tests. West Brom are a, a very good side. I think you know, they, they, these are just games, though, we just have to win. Because of the, the draws no we've had, yeah. you know, these yeah. are tough games, tough away games, you'd say, across the season, and you'd be pleased with three points. Um, but in the situation we're in, we need to put pressure on Tottenham, and that was a big result on Sunday to close the yeah. gap on then, and take advantage of City's port form and really put pressure on them in fourth as we get through the Christmas period. To start in January going, right, we're back in this top yeah, four race. I'd, I'd, the chance has been presented to us. Obviously, as you say, with what's happening with City, Liverpool higher up, they've all been you know, falling away a bit but if you think we've got Palace away West Brom away Sunderland at home Middlesbrough at home and then I believe it's um, away at West Ham uh, beginning of January now I'm not saying they're easy games there but they are all winnable games for Manchester United side the way they're playing presently and if they are able I'm certainly not going to because and start saying well that's 12 points or whatever but if we can get a good return from that which we absolutely should then I mean, we, we could be up there challenging again. I mean, I think we have to. I mean, Chelsea have gone on a run of nine games straight. And oh, yeah, show, yeah. it's shown Brilliant. what they've done to themselves to put them um, clear at the top um, or, or just them and Arsenal. I think those four games over Christmas are imperative for us to get maximum points out of at this stage. I think, I think you know, it'd be difficult, but it's it's got to be the minimum. And it'd be interesting how the older players in the squad, the likes of Zlatan, who've never played it, uh, the likes of Carrick, also, yep. how they get utilised in those games. Yeah, it's, it's, that, that's, where, that's where sort of squad management really comes to the fore. I'm wondering, say, with the midfield, for instance, with the Carrick situation, you could, put a, you could probably make an argument that Manchester United at home to Middlesbrough on New Year's Eve, do you need to play the three central midfielders or could you get away with it being Herrera and Pogba? with a more attacking player ahead of them, I wonder. Just have a more attacking formation. But I'm sure Mourinho, I'm sure, will rotate. Carrick won't be playing all those games. Certainly won't be starting all the games, you wouldn't have thought. Um, with Ibrahimovic, it's interesting, isn't it? He tends to think that Ibrahimovic, even though he's in his mid-30s, can physically cope normally. Normally yeah. sort of puts him in it. His Latin is normally happy to oblige. But as you say... This is pretty concentrated, you know, the uh, the, the fixtures. But uh, certainly with Carrick, I'd expect him, certainly one of those games, whether it be the Sunderland game or the Middlesbrough game, it's hard to imagine him starting both of those. 
I agree. I think they might try and give him Boxing Day off so he can have a bit of turkey and, yeah. and have Herrera holding. And, you know, yeah. don't be surprised if Marouane makes a, a goal-scoring appearance for Christmas on Boxing oh, Day. Oh, yes. Well, I'll tell you, we've got it Saturday. I mean, talk, it is a tight turnaround, this. We're playing New Year's Eve, home to Middlesbrough. Then 2nd of Jan, we're at West Ham at the, yeah, the old ridiculous. Olympic Stadium. That is a bit tight, isn't it? But uh, that's the way it's fallen. No one needs that much football, do they? Surely not. This is a day. This is a day break. But yeah, I is mean, that sacrilege yeah. by me, maybe. I <laughs> maybe, maybe but I certainly, just... I don't think Michael Carrick can possibly. I think he may need a little longer to recover than that. Maybe I've just hogged the remote for too many years, and the family are fed up. That's probably most likely. So, predictions yes. <laughs> for Palace and West Brom, Robert. Um, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep being positive simply because I I was arguing for ages with a big performance was coming from us. I mean, and with the results on the end of it, well, we just about got the result, albeit nervy at the end against Tottenham. So I'm really fancying us to kick on even without Mickey T. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that we're gonna beat Palace two nil, and I think then we're gonna have a real battle, and I think we're gonna scrape a one nil at West Brom. You've pretty much read my mind. I'm totally with you on the 2-0 at Palace. I think we might concede at the Hawthorns. Tony Pulis okay. at a set-piece might do us. Yes, But yes, I think true. we'll score enough to win to win the game. And I think we'll win it comfortably. Yeah. I think, you know, the players look focused and they look prepared and they look ready to know this is now what they have to turn, um, you know, performances into results. And they proved that they could do it on Sunday. And I think mentally mm. it was a massive leap for them on, on Sunday. Yeah, it was. And actually, I fancy, I mean, I, I think the Palace game will be a really good match as well, actually. It's kind of stepping back it, from yeah. it. Well, they can't keep a clean sheet. No, I think promises to be very entertaining. I think it'll be a good good spectacle. That's so. like, that Palace team is like a teenage boy watching Channel 5 late at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, true. shocking. Um, this is my last uh, appearance on the podcast for 2016. Bob, Robert, what have we learned from 2016? How would you sum it up? Oh my goodness! I mean, it's when I think of you know, where we were at the, you know, at the beginning, the beginning of last year. Where how how would we? I think it, it cries out that we've got a stick now with a manager with a plan. Having been through what I mean, this this you know this time last year we we're talking about you know a certain Dutchman that you don't like to mention. Don't mention. Him. We I, I as, and it wasn't the experiment. It was always a short term experiment. He always argued it was a three year plan. Well, we knew well in you know into that same season it wasn't good enough. Uh, for us now, I think though we, we Mourinho is packed with the devil that it may be at times. I think we have learnt that having got through another manager only, you know, this year, that we now we do have to be bold, stick with it. There could be some rougher times ahead. My gut feeling is, in fact, that we could be in we could be in for a pretty good time. I think this season itself, I I won't use the T word, but I think this <laughs> will be a year of development and progress. And I think um, I, I think we should we should stick with the plan now and be you know, cautiously optimistic and hope that reinforcements are made in the correct areas so that we can really start challenging at the top table again. That hasn't happened as quickly as we'd like, but I don't think we're a million miles away, certainly domestically. Well, you may have just heard my phone cheer at the idea of the man who won't be named. So even my phone and technology and the wild world agree that we're glad glad to get rid of that mad Dutchman. (laughs) Having said that, we shouldn't forget that, you know, we've won a trophy this year, even though Jose likes to write it out of the history books and certainly the calendars that you're all about to receive in your your stockings. Uh, I think overall we can come through the year going we're on the right track. Um, The football is better, we're being more entertained, the past is prologue. And as we go forward into the new year, I think we can go forward with confidence that we finally are playing 
the Manchester United way. And let's hope that mm. continues over the Christmas period. Indeed. Full of excitement, full of great goals where we just blast it in the net. We're clinical. We um, play like Matt Busby taught us to play and um, put those blue noses back in their place and those scousers too, because um, they should remember who's still on top of the perch, and that's Manchester United. And I think if you're listening to this now, just start singing the Eric Cantona song on the tube, and uh, you'll be right in the Christmas spirit. Uh, Robert Megan, thank you. It's been a pleasure, as always. Happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to you too, and here's to the new year. And finally, before I go, uh, I'd like to uh, dedicate this podcast to Paul from Houston. Paul, who regularly contacts me and listens to the podcast and is, a, is our, probably our, our number one listener. So, Paul, happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you and your family, to all you United fans. And remember, as we go into 2017, come on, you Reds. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at unitedredcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.